Today's very inspirational guest is a serial entrepreneur in the Westchester and Connecticut area. He's opened several businesses, including two gyms and an energy gym company. Today, he's gonna to tell us about what it takes to do what he's done over the past few years and how you can recreate it. Without further ado, please welcome Mike Orfici. I wanna first start off and say, this is awesome that you're here because we here at the shop are huge fans of what you're doing over at Iron Vault. Um, you guys have built this insane brand that we're trying to not emulate because we're not a gym, but figure out how we can kind of build that brand identity. Um, so yeah, congratulations on that, man. That's, that's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. I'd say probably the same thing. I think we see what you guys post. We're like, damn, like we, we need to step it up. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I, no I think it's, uh, I feel like we just both, both brands are kind of like pushing each other, but like in a good way. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You need competition too. Yeah. It's like friendly competition. Better watch out. Time. Might open a shop. <laughs> yeah, man. We'll open a gym. <laughs> That might be a lot easier. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so yeah, uh, what'd you drive over here in? Um, twenty twenty two Chevy ZR two. So you're a truck guy. I am a yeah. I'm a. I'm definitely a truck guy now. Why? Um, honestly, I think more functionality. Mm. Um, when I was younger, I had cars, and I think now that I have two kids, can't put car seats in the back seat. And I've also like completely changed, I think maybe like my mindset of like, I'm terrified of being stuck in a car. Interesting. Like, so let's say like today, poor today, Bronx River Parkway, shut down. How are you supposed to get to work or how am I supposed to get home? If there's an emergency and meet, I get in my truck, drive right through the Bronx River, it's flooded, I'm good to go. Yeah. So I've kind of like, and I think started out that mindset like with the Hummer. Like my first car was a Hummer H1, 96 Hummer H1. And I just love driving it, loving, love being able to like put everybody in it. And I just, I don't know, I've definitely completely went down the truck route yeah. now, but not show truck. There's like a massive difference between a truck and a show truck. We have this conversation all the time about things having to look good, but also be functional. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think that line happens? Like what's, what would you do to your truck? What wouldn't you do? Like I said, I'm a big overland, like functionality guy. Um, I test drove a TRX. Uh, I test drove a new Raptor. I just feel like those two are just so like, they're just, they're more like they have that functionality aspect of it, but I need a truck that if I, you know, go to my property, I'm not going to get made fun of for driving like a pavement princess. Yeah. Um, but it's got to at least be able to run 35s, hundred percent. Like my truck now, I completely regret buying it because you cannot slap on 35 stock. How does you it drive with 35 You stock? need to put, it comes 33s or 32 and a half, whatever. You need to lift it just to put 35s. Like my stock Jeep Gladiator I bought, 2020, throw on 35s, perfect truck. Probably looks sick. I loved it. I actually owned it, and I, I used it as collateral to buy this truck. Mm. Biggest regret of my life, I took my dad to Chevy. Cause my dad was, like, friends with the guy who owns a Chevy dealership. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, well, you know, we'll take – we'll give it you 45. Like, we'll, you know, we'll, whatever. I'll work with you. And my dad looks at me. He's like, but you own this truck. You have no payments on it. And I'm like, yeah, but I really want that truck. It's tough. Cars are It the was thing. tough. Car, cars are the things where, like – it's really tough not to make a bad tough. financial decision. Tough. And that truck sold. I checked the next day. It was gone the next day. Oh, those, especially, gone. when did you, when did this happen? It was a 20, so it was uh, last summer. Okay, yeah, so that summer. was still when craziness was happening. Crazy, crazy. And I, I mean, I I overpaid for my truck. Overpaid. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I That's thought I was getting like the craziest deal. I'm like, oh, this truck's so rare. One thing I actually learned is never buy a vehicle that's in a Super Bowl commercial. Wow, why is that? Because it will always be full production and always be like mass production at the end of the day. Interesting. So that truck that. hit the Super Bowl that, that summer or that winter. And then by the summertime it released and I was like, I have to get it. It's going to be this awesome, like Raptor Chevy. It's going to be so cool. Like I've probably seen in my town alone, like eight or nine of them. That's tough. And now I'm like, I hate it. I don't want it anymore. I, I just like to be different in some yeah. aspect. So that's, that's what the car world is. Same thing with like bikes and, and sneakers. Like you, there's the hype stuff, but then, it's a world in which you can kind of be yourself yeah. and express yourself. Yeah. I mean, we see crazy stuff. We have this saying, it's like, happy it exists, but wouldn't drive it. Yeah. Like you see something like a crazy JD. Well, the thing that you guys just posted, the Cayenne, uh -huh. I just showed Justin. I That's like my dream setup, a Cayenne, uh -huh. like 
lifted like that. Like just, I love that Overland utilitarian. It's for sale. Is it really? It's for sale, Mikey. <laughs> Damn it, we didn't get the retention. You didn't watch the whole thing. <laughs> I did. I didn't watch the whole thing. All right. You better miss that part. So that was gonna be that was gonna be a question. What is your dream setup? So it would be a Cayenne. It would be some sort of SUV. Um, I've been cruising online right now, looking for a '96 Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser from '96. I would like the 50th anniversary edition. I think that's what the year it is. My mom actually had one, a 50th anniversary Land Cruiser, and I've been searching. everywhere for a 96 land cruiser they're bulletproof bulletproof 300,000 miles you could just pound on them they live forever um it's more of like an off the grid kind of vehicle like that's like where i'm pushing now something that's you know it, it sounds crazy but really off the grid mm-hmm. like I, I don't have to there's no a lot of electronics in it i'm very like i could just go not have to worry about anything Fix it yourself if you need yeah very simple um and like my so my hummer h1 would probably be my favorite would be my dream vehicle yeah. if i could drive it every day. I've done all, I've, I mean, it was the first car I really learned, or first truck I really learned to do things on my own. So it took a little bit of a beating, but it's it's good. So I would definitely try to find a 96 Land Cruiser or yeah. just rebuild the Hummer. That would be sick. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, you see that stuff just absolutely exploding. exploding. Like, I, I, when we posted that, it's everything now is Overland and Off-Road. Love it. Like, we, we posted a, was a 964... Safari. Oh, and that video blew up. Yeah, well, those really did blow up, though. Yeah, yeah, those that that market. Cr- I mean, even for the Land Cruiser, you could see online like the, from summer 2019 to now doubled from yeah. like 19,000 to almost 40, 50,000. I think what it was was the the stuff that we all really wanted the old Defenders, the old Broncos, yeah. the old FJs, those became un- unattainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you look at those Defenders, 100 grand. Yeah. And it's insane. So I I'd think love to get you got to move on. Like next, it's going to be people are going to want the Xterra, like the Nissan Xterra or something. Honestly, like at like this that. point, like, listen, my dad has a 2020 or 2021 Tacoma TRD Pro, 160,000 miles on. He bought it brand new and he drives every day from here to Massachusetts every day. Every day. 160,000 miles. He could sell that car for full price. Right oh, yeah. hundred percent. And like, he'll keep it forever. And he's in the same boat now. He's like, okay, I love this truck, but I also want to get something else that I could like continue to beat on and not, you know, be afraid that he's got a Tesla, right? Yeah. So actually, you guys fixed it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, uh, good, good. he, he had job. a little bit of a, an accident, and uh, it's a 2016 Model X P100D with unlimited supercharging. Oh, never so sell it. He brought it here. I told him go to JMB. Like, trust me. Like, you need to fix that truck. For, fix that car immediately. Never get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't. You can't. Those, those well, 2016s are still selling. They still for are. crazy money because but we love the Tesla. Did offer for 2024. You could switch it out, and they'll overlap. But I just told him on the way over. I don't know if that's a good deal. I feel like there's going to be some fine. Even though I trust Elon, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> I don't know. In in our world, you either trust him implicitly or not. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's no there's no in between. We but posted a video the other day of um. Purposely controversial. Yeah. Where I said, can we all admit or agree that the Tesla Model Y, Model X, Model 3 is the best daily driver of all? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And the comments went crazy. Good. Thank you. It's perfect. (laughs) It's perfect. But like we were talking, we were like, it was the weekend. I was hanging out with my brother. We were watching the UFC fights. Another comment. I was like, oh, there's another person calling me gay. Okay, cool. (laughs) Like just like the whole time. I was like, all right, like, uh, Maybe I need to have a conversation with my wife because oh if these people God. are all telling me that, maybe I, I must be missing something. <laughs> yeah, no, but listen, I completely agree. I, I, I've been. I actually have two Cybertruck pre-orders on okay, cool. the, the first the first day that the pre-orders open, and then I did another one. I want to say like twenty twenty one, and I got a random text saying that it it's going into queue, but I don't know which one it is. Because the first one I did tri motor, the second one didn't have an option. It was just like pick it, you'll pick it later. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely, Are you excited for I'm that definitely one? in line for that. Yeah. I just gotta move some things around, figure out how I'm going to hide it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I might go into the business for a little bit. <laughs> so tell me about the business. You, uh, you are the owner CEO of, um, iron bolt, the brand, but specifically gyms. Yeah. So there's, so the, the, the mother company is what we call it is iron vault. Um, not the iron vault or iron vault gym, iron vault. Um, 
and then there's a bunch of like sub companies from there. So like there's IVX and then uh, from that, you know, we originally opened like an outdoors division for uh, outdoor living and like survival stuff and, and guns and training. And then that actually stemmed to we recreated that to be a whole nother company called Loadout Supply, um, which will now be like its own separate company, but still operates under the same kind of family operate operation and, and building and headquarters. Um, but yeah, I, it's kind of tough to say what I do. I, I just think that I'm. I guess an entrepreneur. Yeah, serial entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, def- definitely that. That's that's a good way to put it. But I don't know. I just I just feel like there's always an opportunity for me to do something better. Um, and if if I can do that, then I'll I'll definitely open an LLC. Yeah, I've, I got a bunch of them. Yeah. So how you're you're we're the same age. We actually went to high school together. Yeah. Um, and I was trying not to bring this up on the podcast, but it's super funny. I remember you for two things. One, because you committed to Loyola as the FOIO guy your sophomore year, which was unheard of. At first, it was North Carolina. Okay. And then I decommitted, and then I went to commit to Loyola. So we all, that all blew all of our minds. Yeah, I remember nobody believed me. I came into school, I told everybody, and everyone's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, I called my mom. I was like, mom, did I did I actually? Everyone's <laughs> telling me I didn't. Like, yeah. Call me gay on the internet. <laughs> problem. Yeah, that was that was funny. So that was what. And the other thing was, I knew you as Mikey or Smiley. Smiley. And yeah. so, you're we're the same age, young guy. How did you? What was your trajectory like? What got you into this? What sparked it? Because a lot of people have ideas. Yeah. But how did you put this stuff actually into fruition? Um. So. I was definitely the kid in high school that like I was full go. I'm going to play college across. Like I was, I, I didn't go out. I didn't do anything. Like that's what I knew I wanted to do. So when I committed to Loyola at such a young age, I was like, that's all I knew. I didn't really know anything else. Like I, I couldn't focus on, you know, what my major in college was going to be. I mean, when I got to Loyola, I didn't even know how college was broken up into semesters. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. I was so hyper-focused on playing lacrosse. I didn't really look at the other aspects of college or life moving forward. Um, so by my sophomore, junior year of, of college, they were like, Hey, you have to declare for a major. I'm like, a major? Like, I thought I was playing lacrosse. What are we doing here? Like, yeah. So, um, I actually didn't pick my major. My academic advisor picked it. It was communications, uh, with a specialty cause there's communications, there's digital media, marketing and advertising underneath okay. digital, underneath communications. Um, so I went from all three cause I couldn't figure out what was the easiest to play with my schedule. Um, so I was able to actually get a really good grasp of all three cause I was able to basically almost max out doing all three, but not actually finishing all three. Mm, okay. Um, so I took all the classes for all three, uh, sub, I don't even know what they're called. I'm not, again, I have no idea. I'm just saying, but the goal was to optimize your life for playing lacrosse yeah it wasn't actually for going to school like if my mom and dad are going to listen to this like i feel horrible but that's really the truth i i'm very fortunate that i had i was in a position where you know i was receiving a lot of scholarship money to be able to go play there so again it really wasn't my main focus but it's still like i had to do it so if i was going to do it i was like you know what i'm going to at least like figure out how to optimize my schedule while taking something that's like semi easy and semi like useful maybe in the real world um, so by my junior, senior year, I was taking graphic design classes. Okay. Um, I had like some, I actually kind of enjoyed them. Uh, I learned a lot doing them and it was more of just like, Hey, it's easy. Um, I'm kind of good at it. I'll do it for a little bit. And, uh, during the process, I took a lot of classes where it was like, Hey, you know, you're creating this advertising packet for a fake company or, Hey, start a company and let's make a logo for it. Okay. Um, so a lot of my classes were kind of teaching me how to make product, how to make branding or brands and, and my own marketing packages and all that stuff. Um, and one day my roommate was like, Hey, like, that's cool. What is that? I'm like, Oh, it's for a gym. It wasn't even for Iron Paul. It was like for some revolution. It was like some random gym company. I was like making a logo for, and, uh, I played lacrosse, obviously. So what I would do was one of my classes was like, hey, make a logo for a self-business. So what I did was I made a logo for a fitness lacrosse brand where I would train kids and teach them how to take face-offs. Okay. So that summer, I was teaching kids how to take face-offs. The name of the company was Game Within a Game. I made a logo for it. I was like crushing it. I'm like, hey, like this is like, hey, you play at Iona Prep. Like I'll train you. I'll teach you. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of where the entrepreneurship started maybe. Um, like bridging something you were passionate yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Being able to make money. money off of myself, I guess, in a way. 
Um, You're like, wait, this school stuff actually works? Yeah, I can honestly, actually learn I, stuff. Like, one of the big things that I feel like a lot of kids, younger kids, will ask me, they'll ask me now, they're like, hey, what did you major in college? Mm-hmm. And I tell them, like, I, I majored in communications, but I use what I learned, what I had available to apply to maybe in the real world. Um, which, looking back, probably wasn't the best decision. <laughs> Like, uh, like now I'm happy I did it, I mean, but back the then I had no idea. Yeah. What do, what do you think were the, the th- three biggest things or, or the few biggest things that you learned in school that you use all the time? A lot of graphic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest regret I have is not taking any entrepreneurship or like mathematics or accounting classes. I dropped out of all those. I lasted like maybe a week in all of them. Um, but definitely like the graphic design stuff, the marketing stuff. Um, a bunch of the advertising classes, the one I specifically remember was, I think media ethics. It was a class where they talked about, you know, like how you manipulate your following to, you know, maybe like how you talked about the Tesla post. Okay. Like that's a media ethics class Mm -hmm. kind of conversation. Like, Hey, you know, this is going to be controversial, but you have to be able to play both sides. Um, we definitely don't do that anymore. Okay. We, we only go one way, but, uh, as a company, but. I think that was probably one class that I, I remember specifically being like, I'm definitely going to use this in life somehow. But um, yeah, I think for me, for college, I really got lucky that I, I think it was just kind of a perfect storm. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So like, and I'm not talking about lucky. Like, I'm not saying that like I got, I'm just the luckiest person. Like I definitely had to use what I had available. Right. But that's just like the type of person I am as well. Like I, I don't panic. Not that I don't panic, but I don't, let those things really hinder me as a person. Like there's an issue, like, let me try to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people can get scared if they don't have a direction. Yeah. It seems like you, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, it feels like you kind of just stayed the course and maybe that would be a good advice to young people in college or just, try, yeah, absolutely. Like, just stay the course. And you know, as long as you're working hard, you will find a path. Do you feel yeah. like that? Yeah, I definitely think that I don't do well with complacency. Mm-hmm. And I think when I do get really complacent, things change drastically um and i think during college i was kind of at a point where i'm like okay i'm not actually getting ready for anything moving forward in life so let me try to do let me try to take advantage of what i have right now and use it maybe in the future um actually when i graduated college i tell the story a lot i took one interview for a real job after college um i went and got a interview at some advertising firm in long island okay and I got, I don't even know how I got, I think it was like a spam email that like they sent out to a thousand people. And I was like, oh, I got an email for a job. And I remember I called my mom. I'm like, hey, I need to go get a new suit. Like I want to look good or whatever. I was like, hey, dad, can I take your Tesla? I'm going to like look good. Um, and this was the moment I realized that I was not set up for working in that type of corporate world. Interesting. I bought, I bought a suit. I, I wore a really nice watch. I got my hair cut. I did, I did, I went the whole extra mile. I pull up. <laughs> to this business and I, I get out of the car and I'm looking around the parking lot and I'm like, this is like not really the nicest place. I walk in, <clears throat> there's two people sitting in the waiting room looking around and I'm like, this is, there's something fishy going on here. Like it, it almost looks like it's a temporary business model or business or office. I go in for the first interview. I sit down, <clears throat> the guy that's interviewing me, oversized suit, no, it was just like, I'm like, I'm already more prepared than you for this. Sounds like a scam from <laughs> It was, yeah. I think you should leave. Yeah, I was, it was like, I was uncomfortable. And the guy, you know, after we finished talking, he was like, oh, we're going to expedite you for the next interview. I'm like, all right, that's weird. So I sit down, I'm like, oh, this is our boss, whatever. Same thing. I have a nicer suit, a, a nice, I, I could tell I was more articulate with my words. And not that I'm not saying that I'm just a better person. I just could tell that if this is how my life is going to be, where I'm always going to be comparing myself to that, my boss in a sense, and that my boss is not even at the same standard that I'm trying to hold myself. I don't want to work in this type yeah, of environment. Maybe you need to be your own boss. And that was, I, I remember I got up, I went home, I called my dad on the way home because my dad's an entrepreneur. And I told him, I was like, listen, I'm not, this is not for me. Like, I'm, this is definitely not for me. And he was like, yeah. I, and I mean, he understood because my dad is also an entrepreneur, but I think he was the only person, or obviously not the only person, but probably the one person that was like, yeah, you should just, let's go do your own thing. Like, we'll figure it out. So how important that brings up two interesting points. How important is being decisive like that as an entrepreneur and a businessman? Because it seems like you had a decision to make, you made it and you stuck with it. Is that important for you? Yeah. I think one thing that I do struggle with, which is, 
it's good and bad. I, I think that there are some directions within the company that we've made where I've been like, I'm not listening to anybody. We're going to go do it. Mm. Um, is that I, I have a, a really weird balance of taking everybody's opinion or nobody's opinion. Interesting. And that's what, what sorry to interrupt you. What determines that for you? Like what sort of a situation do you say, I need to listen to somebody and what sort of a situation are you like, screw you. I'm I think if I'm sitting on it for too long. So like there are a lot, even like, so like, let's go back to this, like IVX. There are a lot of things that, you know, the layout of the can design, everything that we've been talking about. There are a lot of things where I'll talk to my team and I'll sit there for like a week being like, I don't really like that. Like, you know, how, what do you guys think? What do you guys, if I get into a pattern of asking everybody their opinion, then I'm not really committed to it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I know like, okay, scratch this idea. Let's move on to something That's else. interesting. Yeah. So if, if you, if you trust your gut, if you're being indecisive about something to you, that's a red flag, meaning maybe this is something I shouldn't do. Yeah, exactly. I see that with us too. Like the customers that come in that make a decisive decision about something with a car. Are you going to tint it? Are you going to wrap it? Are we going to paint this? Are you going to do that? Those people that can make the decision and be like, it's fine mm-hmm. are usually the most successful customers that we have. Yeah. And the people who are, Oh, what do you think? Should I do it? Should I do that? Some of them do well, but you can just tell that there's an aspect of their life. That's not in line. Yeah. Yeah. So like you need, you need to make the decision. Like 100%. you are the final person to make the decision. And I think for me, there's a lot of situations where I'm like, Oh, like I already know I'm, I've already texted the six people in my first group of my chat asking them a question. That's it. I got to move on to something else. Like this is messed up already. So I'm, I'm focusing me, too much on it. Tell me about how that plays into the the gym. So you have one gym, two gyms. Tell me so about we have it. two gyms right now, one in Scarsdale and uh, one in South Norwalk, Connecticut. Okay. And yeah. how big are they? Is it? Uh, they're both around 10,000 square feet. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty. They're, they're, they're good sizes right now. And you um, manage both by yourself? So we have a facility manager for both and then they each have their own team of staff. Wow. Yeah. So it's my brother and I, my brother, I brought my brother and his co-founder, co-owner, uh, I want to say 2020, 2021 ish. Yeah. How do you like working with family? Um, I mean, my brother's always been there. Uh, my family always was, has been there helping me from the beginning. Um, but it's more of like, I gave him more of like an ownership, like 50% cause He's way smarter than me business-wise, like financially, accounting-wise. Like there's a lot of things that – I mean he's in law school right now. So like there's a lot of things that he knows that, you know, obvi- honestly like probably without him we wouldn't be the same position. Mm-hmm. Or we, I think we'd be at the same position but maybe not as securely as we are now. Right. Um, but it's tough. It's, I mean you work with all your oh, – yeah? yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. There's two aspects of it that I always like to talk about. One is you can, can't trust anybody the way you can trust family. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think – like a lot of people will say, don't go into business with family. I happen to disagree because even though it took me a long time to get where I am, where I feel comfortable with having my older brother also be my boss, mm. it I'm happy where we are now. Yeah. And and I feel like at the very end of the day, I can lean on him and I can know that we're family. We're going to get through this shit. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely been days where I, like, don't talk to my brother for a while. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, there'll be days where, like, I'll, I'll be like, you effed up. Like, you don't talk to me for the rest of the day. Or I'll be like, hey, I need you to pay this invoice, and he, like, won't answer me. And I'm like, listen, pick up your phone. Don't ignore me. Yeah. I'm the only person you don't ignore. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but definitely working with family, I, I uh, yeah. I mean, I worked for my dad for uh, a year or so, and, um... Yeah, it was definitely tough. I was always I was always getting yelled at. Oh yeah, yeah I'm always I, the fall guy. The worst was when I would get yelled at at work, and then I'd have to sit next to my dad eating a pork chop <laughs> at the dinner table, being like, "My mom's like, how was your guys' day?" I'm like, "It's really good." <laughs> what um? So back to the gym. Tell me about how you guys differentiate Iron Bolt from a Planet Fitness or a Lifetime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, honestly, I think it's kind of pretty much the same business model that you guys probably follow. Okay. Um, I think the story I tell everyone is, you know, if you were to pull out your phone right now and call for pizza, there's a thousand pizza places within Mm -hmm. a a city block. And for us, it's the same kind of business model with in our town alone, there's 14, 15 gyms. It's crazy. Um, so how do you differentiate yourself? It's things like this, like things that we're doing our branding. We reinvest more into our marketing side of like advertising, not really marketing for logistically more of like, you know, how do we portray ourselves as this like different brand? Mm -hmm. Um, when we first started our, our motto was more than a gym, it's a lifestyle. Cool. Which quickly got picked up by every other gym in the area. So it was kind of like, a, okay, now let's move on to something 
else. At least you know you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. If other people are copying. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we we see that all the time with what we do now. But um, yeah, I think for us, it's more about our branding. People come to us because they align with our branding more than our gym. So we actually had Arsenal, who's our lar- who's our uh, equipment manufacturer, fly out uh, a month or so ago, a couple months ago probably, and film like a mini documentary about us. That's awesome. Because we were their third largest fully outfitted facility, wow. which we didn't know about until they showed up and told us. Um, but they followed me for a couple of days, like kind of like showing the gym, showing the brand. And um, we learned that, you know, me like so for us, when we first started, we were like, OK, how do we become different from everybody else? And in 2019, nobody was buying fully outfitted gyms from one manufacturer. They were, you know, like, what's the best budget? How do we buy this equipment? Oh, I like the way this one looks or, hey, I like the way this one feels. And for us, I was like, listen, I'm not a gym expert. I, I mean, I've been in gyms my entire life, but right. I wasn't a, you know, oh, I like the way this machine works. Don't use this one. This one's better for contraction. This one's better, blah, blah, blah. So I only knew one thing, how to make something look really good for right. advertising and marketing and branding. So we reached out to them. They had, we had them outfit our full, our first gym, which was really small. It started out as like 3000 little square foot, like little, where was that? Black space. It was in Scarsdale. Okay. Same place we are now. Little 3000 square foot box space. Um, we outfitted with as much as I could afford at the time with Arsenal stuff. And then as we grew, we kept buying only Arsenal stuff. Mm-hmm. So we kept that image. Fast forward 2023, everybody does that now. Really? So now a majority of gyms will do the same thing we did where they kind of fully outfit with the same equipment. Right. Um, like Rogue or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So like Arsenal really now does like full gym builds. So when they came to us, like they use our gym now, which is kind of – it was frustrating at the time, but now I really don't care. Uh, used us to advertise that they do full gym outfitting. Um, so now it's – now you get to really see how important it is what we do for branding because now there are gyms that do that all over the country. Right. They have this – they have unlimited budget. They go like, oh, I'm going to go buy $500,000 worth of gym equipment to make it all look the same just like this company. Wow. Oh, but I don't have the branding and the marketing that they have. It. It's them. not real. It's right. it's you know it's like facilitated. It's, it's not organic. Yeah, it's right. not real. Um so I think that's like how, you know, we've been able to differentiate ourselves. And also on the social media side, we really don't post a lot of gym related content as much. Um, so one analogy that I use is if you ever pull up Red Bull on Instagram, Red Bull doesn't post Red Bull cans. Right. They post the ideology around Red Bull. And I that's kind it. of what we do. It's right. we don't post, you know, for 2023, we haven't posted that much. We've kind of shifted our focus, but we don't post gym equipment or somebody working out. We post the people that are there. The, the, that's the awesome. Feel. And um yeah, it's we made that shift going into 2023, 2022, 2023 and it's it's been it's been a lot more fun. A lot, the content is way more fun to make. Oh yeah. Um and I think it's helped us a lot. I mean, we've we've we were actually planning on opening our third gym, wow, uh, third gym this summer. Well, last summer actually. Wow. And uh we kind of make a made a shift, reinvested back into this product. Yeah. Um Yeah, I want to ask you a, a, yeah, a little yeah. bit about the IV stuff, but yeah. uh, just one more question to to go back. So or actually two do you feel like you, the brand that you've built aligns well with Arsenal's brand? Or do you feel like you guys align well? Yeah, so it's, it's actually it's funny because we, we do align really well. Like okay. we're, we're probably one of their favorite gyms. Um, of the three, there's, you know, the guy who owns it. He has a gym out in uh, Vegas. Okay. It's called Dragon's Lair. It's That'd a big insane. Yeah it's, yeah, so it, it's actually, we're actually, I think we're better. So, like, the guys who actually built it said that. I'm not saying that's just because it's my gym, actually being honest. <laughs> um, and then there's another gym that's actually, they're friends with a guy who owns it or whatever, and it's in uh, Nashville. It's okay. called Carbon Culture. Um, and... I honestly do think that we started out being, like, really well aligned with their company, and... Now it it's kind of like we carry the weight more. He's laughing, but he it's true because I think companies now we've kind of made a shift now where we used to be like, oh, we want to work with those guys. And now it's like, okay, now people are coming to us and you. now they want to line with what we do, which is cool to see. But I think we started out really aligning well with them. And now it's kind of like, okay, it, it's kind of like the relationship is more leaning towards us now. So maybe we shouldn't tag them in things because they're not How really reciprocating it. To, to align think, with companies and brands that you work with. I think it's tough because you have to walk a fine line okay. between imitating and collaborating. So it's tough because 
a lot of companies might see like what we do and they're like, oh, that's cool and original. Instead of us doing our own thing or instead of us, you know, like maybe reaching out to them like, hey, we should work on this together. They'll go out and do their own thing. Um, and it's tough because I still consider us a small business. So it's tough to see that. You see a lot of companies that like go out and do gun stuff or do all this cool stuff. And you're like, mm, you should have just maybe reached out to us instead of trying to do it yourself. Interesting, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Arsenal is a great guy. I love them. I mean, I'm really good friends with the president and awesome. a bunch of people there. So we love them. It's just uh, they need to uh, pull their weight a little bit more. <laughs> you, you heard it, Arsenal. Yeah, right listen, here. if they're watching, Brad will hit me. I'll text me later. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you say that? Well, give me a bigger discount. There you go. <laughs> How important is merchandise and merchandising to your brand? I mean, it's huge. Uh, so one of my biggest things was uh, when I was younger in 2019, when I first started, it was like if I couldn't have a gym in every major city, I could sure as hell have somebody wearing a shirt in every major city. I think that's huge. Yeah. We, so We have a very same philosophy. Yeah, somewhere. it's if I can't physically have a location there yet, I could have somebody wearing a shirt. Right. Um, so for us, it was like how do we – we have to make products that people want to buy. Um, so I think honestly, I'll tell you, sorry. One of the coolest things that ever happened was somebody was going to London and she was in London actually. Yeah. And she came back to the gym. She was a member. She showed me a picture. She's like, Oh, look, I was in London international airport and here somebody was wearing your shirt. Wow. And that's actually not the first order. So we can actually get a, we get orders to like Australia, London. Wow. We get a lot yeah. of international orders. That's perfect yeah. concept right there, man. Yeah, so it's it's fun. It's cool. Um, we've shifted a little bit of our focus with the merch, making it more exclusive instead of coming out. Like every month we drop something. Okay. Just because I think the model of making it more exclusive is probably better yeah. than mass making it's more like jobs. The, the Supreme or the Kith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really kind of like the thing I've always wanted to do is make it more of a product that if we attach our name to it, the the idea of it becomes bigger. It becomes better, more expensive, more of like an exclusive, right. like an off-white kind of thing. Right. Where it's like if off-white puts their name on a pair of Nikes, it's like, Bingo oh. for double. Yeah. I've been seeing lots of photos going around Instagram. Uh, Travis Scott just put out a tennis shoe. And the one with the conventional swoosh goes for like 200 bucks on StockX. Yeah, yeah. The one where he literally just and put it on mm -hmm. goes for like twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's that's it's crazy. That's really a really good point. Is we've had the same conversation, Elvis and I, about there's only so many cars that we can fix in so many yeah. areas where people will actually ship a car to us. But if there's some kid in Iowa who loves Porsches, if he wears a JMB Body Works Porsche shirt, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think when I first started, like that was kind of the the direction I always knew I wanted to go. So like like going back to the beginning, I said it's not Iron Vault Jam or Iron Vault Fitness. It's Iron Vault. It's Ivy. That's the brand name. Like a Nike, something where it's it's not a name of a business. It's a name for a brand. Right. So that was kind of like really important for it's us. It's an idea. Yeah, it was like IV, IVX, Iron Vault. Like, oh, what is Iron Vault? Oh, if you don't know what it is, that means we're doing our job. Mm. So that was like kind of like one of the little stories I tell is when I opened my second gym, we had a lady walk by. I was there like opening boxes or something, and she like looks in. She's like, what is this? Iron Vault, what is this? And I remember being like, I like sat there for a second, and she's like, is it a donut shop? Is it a bank? And I'm like... Dude, we're doing a good job. Right. Because when the gym equipment comes, then you'll know it's a gym, but right. the brand itself could keep growing. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, like, first first of all, you have somebody – I don't know if that lady aligned with your core customer group, but you had somebody who either was or wasn't asking you yeah. that question. That means that you've done enough with your brand to where it sparks interest. So most people will see that story or hear that story and be like, "That's you're, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you're ruining your brand. Like, you need to make it a gym, whatever. But for me, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, that's it's exactly what I wanted. I want you to have a mysterious idea of what the brand is. Right. Because then I can manipulate and grow and figure out, you know, different niches for it rather than only being a gym. So, like, when gyms open, they're like something, something fitness, something, something barbell, something, something gym. Right. You just limited yourself now. Right. But you're talking about um, yeah, you you don't you you can't create a brand from that. Nobody wants to go buy a shirt unless you're like a gold's gym that says gold's gym. Right. Like I mean, yeah, they made a billion dollars, but now it's kind of dying it's out. Dead, yeah. Yeah. So, so so tell me about this. What is this? Where does this align with what we're talking about? You're saying niche. You know, what is what am I holding here? So this is a new product. It'll be coming out spring 2024. It's called IVX Energy or Drink IVX. Um it started out as kind of like a joke. Whoops, sorry. So it started kind of out as a joke. Um, we get a lot of energy drinks between both my gyms, like at, at least $50,000 a month. Like wow. Pallets, because our members just destroy them. 
Um, so it started out as, you know, we should just make our own stuff at this point. Yeah. And it actually became a really good brand or brand aspect for us from Iron Vault because it's almost like, hey, again, following that same model. If I can't have a, sh a gym in every single major city, I could have my drink in every single major gym in every major city. I could have somebody wearing a shirt in that, in that same gym. You know, that's kind of like the aspect of it. But we couldn't attach Iron Vault to it. Interesting. Because no other gym is really going to put an Iron Vault energy drink in their That's fridge. So we had to make our whole new uh, company for it. Um, and it's kind of a lateral step. Yeah, it is. Right? Like how often I, if, if I go to the gym, which as you can tell, it's not since the wedding has not been that I'm going to get a membership soon. Um, I'll crush a yeah, no. drink, uh, I'm not gonna say their name is the, the one that starts with a C that's popping off everywhere lately. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, what's really funny is my cousin, oh, my cousin's oh, husband works for them. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. it's a big deal for them. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's gonna have to make a change soon. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it's a it's a great company. It's it's a great idea. Um, what's I, the brand identity behind this? What are you shooting for? Oh, uh, okay. So so basically, the whole idea behind it is uh, it's kind of funny, but it's like. It's kind of like an inside joke. Is have you ever seen the movie Wally? -E? Yeah, of course. So you know, like when the guys, all the fat people at the end, like get off the ship, and they're like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. kind of like what society has become with energy drinks. Really? The flavoring is always something crazy. There's always multiple different combos. Nobody knows what they actually taste yeah. like. But at the same time, you're still gonna buy because you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, because you're so manipulated yeah. now to be like, "Oh, you I need to try it." Yeah. <laughs> so for us, it's it's a zero sugar, zero calorie, zero color, zero BS energy drink that has basically the most essential 200 milligrams of green tea caffeine your your vitamin b3 b6 b12 it has your uh magnesium potassium sodium for electrolytes oh, wow. very very bare minimum um which kind of follows the same ideology around iron vault very right. no bs very minimal simple branding simple everything um so like on the side of the panel we actually have like this little like crazy little story but uh, the whole idea around it is basically that little story. And uh, it's a great product. We're really excited for it to launch. Um, it looks amazing, dude. Yeah, I've, I've No smoke. This looks yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, I worked really, really hard on it. Um, what it, are some things you learned um, so again, building a product round up? Going back to really the, the stuff I learned in college, things that I – like package design. I remember I took a package design class, and I'm like, I'm never. And now I'm like learning. I'm like, wow, I'm sitting here in my office at 2 a.m. learning Figma, how to recreate a website. And I'm like, wow, I should have definitely paid more attention yeah, to that class. I should have kept my textbooks. I should have kept them. They were so much, they were expensive. I should have kept them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I've learned a lot, a lot of uh, about like how package design is essentially like a warfare. Like you're, you're fighting for shelf space, oh, fighting no. for sh for product. It's it's really tough, but I love it. Honestly, it's it's like a whole new realm for me. It's like something else that like I can like teach myself and learn, and then maybe like teach somebody else take over for me. It's awesome. Yeah. What's something about running a business or running the gym, either specific or broad, that you don't think people understand? It's a lot. I I, I tell people that ask me. I don't really like to. I like. I mean, I'm gonna answer the question. I'm just saying yeah. so that the viewers know. I'm don't not, come up to me in the show. No, no, and ask me these yeah, questions. I'm like I, I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna answer the questions because I like you and I like this. Thank like, you. I really here. appreciate. It. But one of the most frustrating things I get as a as a young business owner is people underestimate how much how, like how much I've worked to mm -hmm. get to where I am, and they think that it's easy for anyone anybody could do. So like opening a gym, the business model is very simple. I think it's really simple. You buy equipment, you sit there all day and sit, let people come in. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier said than done right, of course. To, to run a business. And that's what I've learned is, you know, when I first started, it was I have to sit at the gym from 5 a.m. to midnight. I would honestly never have time to work out because I'm the only person working the counter for two years sitting there. Just I, I bought a hammock to sleep in the hammock. So I I think I had like that kind of like upcoming, like cool, like influencer story of mm -hmm. the grind. But it's not what I let use to identify me as a young business owner. It's more of like my mindset of how I started the business. That is what helped carry the business at this point. Um, but to go back to what you said, I think it's it was hard. Um, like I said, there there were days where I was the only person working, like sitting there from five a.m. to midnight, having to clean the entire gym. Uh, and then we got key fob access, mm -hmm. which helped a little bit. Yeah, definitely. But now it makes life a lot more stressful because I have a lot sleep. of liability there. Yeah, I don't sleep. Um, but it, it's 
It's just like any job, honestly, to launch a gym. It's it's really hard. You have to be willing to be the only person there working, to go the extra mile, to get on your hands and knees, build the equipment, fix the equipment, clean the equipment. But every opportunity I get to still do it again, I take advantage yeah. and do it. Well, I think like my dad always says this, and I don't know. There's there's a grain of salt that needs to be taken with it, but behind every successful business is a miserable business owner. Yeah, no. And it's true. I mean, I, he loves what he does. We love what we do. But- my dad at 64 years old, if a bumper needs to get sanded, he's on his hands and knees yeah. with his spectacles on <laughs> with the light like this. Trying yeah, to sand yeah. My dad's the same way. Same you, way. you need to. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, trust me, I'm, the other day I was walking through my New York gym and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to clean everything. Even though it's clean, I'm going to re-clean it just because I want everything to be done my way. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the analogy I use is some people collect Rolexes. I collect gym equipment. Mm-hmm. Like I just love walking in, seeing something that I bought a piece of equipment and fixing it or working on it. Um, and a lot of people really aren't committed to that. Like if you yeah. go into an, another gym, I'm not going to say these gyms, they're really down bad mm. because people think that they're about that life of owning a gym where you have to be there all the time and take care of it. And they're really not. Right. And I'm very fortunate that I have a great team where I don't have to be at the gyms all the time. That's awesome. But at the same time, like my staff knows that like I'm very particular and I will I will do it. Like you just sit down, I'll do it for right. you. Have you over time tried to work on kind of relinquishing a little bit of that control over stuff? Yeah, so I think delegation is a tough word for me. Um to say or very both. Honestly, I'm a prep did not help me. It did not repair me in life. But delegation step it up. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's down bad, I heard. But yeah, delegation is tough. Uh being able to delegate things, I, I I walk a fine line between over-delegating and not delegating enough. Okay. Um, so, like, there are a lot of things that where I'll say, hey, like, I'm going to let my team take care of this. And I let them take care of it. And then I'm like, okay, I would have done it a completely different way. So I'm just going to do it for you next time. Mm. Which it's definitely not scalable. But that that's – yeah, it's tough. That's, like, a big thing that we're trying to work on right now with yeah. me. It sounds like you're addicted to the hustle and, and the grind, which I think is – what I don't think my fiance successful. would say the same thing. But no, yes, no, kidding. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I think, like, like you just said, it, it's not. It, I'm addicted to the hustle, but at the same time, like, I'm trying to get better at it. Yeah. Um, because it's really not scalable, and that's like one thing that we're gonna be focusing a lot on 2024 moving forward. That you know we've obviously focused on like really hard the last four or five years, but for specifically 2024 is how do we make everything that we do as an operations standpoint scalable to mm. the next level? That's a really good point. Um, so like for us, like we'll I'll dabble in so for like uh merch, making T-shirts, um. The way that we do it is not scalable. You know, we have a third-party person that makes it and packages it and does all our stuff for us in-house at my other facility. Okay. It's just not scalable what we're doing. Right. So for us to get to that next level, how do we do it? Well, we have to take control of that product. We have right. to take control of the manufacturing, the packaging, the, the shipping and handling, which is a lot, a lot. But I like to be in control of everything that mm-hmm. I can possibly be in. So that's something that we're trying to figure out for 2024 and so on. There's a lot of things that we're trying to make more scalable. Well, that, that's huge. One of the things that uh, what you were saying kind of reminds me of when I asked about what don't people understand. Uh, you ever watch the show The Bear? No. Okay, so it's one of the, the things that I like to compare our business to just any business owner would understand is the restaurant business because it's insane. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's different is the restaurant business seems to have no margins, but nothing I think is more reviewed than a restaurant. Yeah on Google, which I have another question for you that I have to remember to ask you about. But I was watching the show, the bear and he runs a Michelin star restaurant and he has this great saying that just like blew my mind. And it's every day has to be the Super Bowl. And if it's not, then you're not doing it correctly. Like I had a gentleman on yesterday, Ryan Friedman, he sells collector's cars in long Island. He's got a massive following. And, um, he said, I take my phone in the shower He's like, there's no downtime. Yeah. I will answer a call to go get a car in Connecticut. Yeah, I'm I'm de- I'm like 100% the same way. Like my phone lit. Like I'm probably 13, 14 hours of screen time daily, which is hard. I'm actually trying to stop doing that because I have two kids. So I'm trying to like be more. Yeah, there. of course. But it's hard. It, it, I don't really expect a lot of people to understand that. Um, I get a lot of people like, they're like, oh, get off your phone. You're always on your phone. Like, like, dude, be me for a, five minutes. A millisecond, I'll, I'll tell you too, a millisecond of me not being on top of something, I lose sleep over it. Oh, yeah. And it's hard. I really don't expect anybody that's 
that's not in my position or in a position like that to understand, but it, it's, it's really tough. It it's may really be tough. unrelatable for people to understand, but owning a business and I don't own a business yet, but I am being groomed yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother to own Jamie body works. It's like adult babysitting. No, it, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it is, it's not that maybe you don't trust people or maybe that people can't do a good job. It's that people clock out. Yeah. They go home. Mm-hmm. Yep. J&B Body Works, the title, the name will be on that awning forever. Yeah. So when I go home, that building's still there. Yep. I still have somebody's Bugatti sitting in my shop. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> so it's like, I can't... You And it's the same thing with Iron Bowl. No, yeah. It doesn't just reflect on the gym. Mm-hmm. It reflects on Mike yeah, yeah. and his family. Yeah, it's, it. I, I think uh, when I first started, that was like 100% my mindset. And I think... I, I definitely I fell off a little bit from that, like having that mindset. Of like if I leave this place, it's representing me. I think probably maybe like five minutes. One day I was just like, I need to unplug and mm. I need to I need to walk away. And within five minutes, I was like, I I, I already messed I up. I should have done that. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. I I completely agree. When you walk out of that business, like you're not associated with it, but you are at all times. Um, I'm, when I first started, I had people that didn't even know I owned it. I still have people that are... When you walk in... I like, still have people to this day that don't know I own it. Like, I'll like, walk in the gym and, like, a person that's been a member with us for, like, four years will be like, hey, like, uh... There's no toilet paper know, on the back. Like, <laughs> I got you. Like, yeah. I got it. Like, I'm going to do it anyway, but, yeah, like, yeah, thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, though. I, I Yeah, I love I love being young, honestly. I used When I first opened, I used to hate telling people I used to own it. I used to, like, hide in the back. Is it an embarrassment thing, like, almost? No, more of just, like, I didn't want it to diminish the brand or diminish the product because a young person opened it. And I quickly learned that that's probably not the best thing to do because you want to be proud of what you're, what you've built. Um, but I definitely went through a phase where I was like kind of hiding from the idea that I am the owner. Um, yeah, I was, I mean, I was young. I was, I first started in 2019. I don't even know how old I am right now. How old are you? I'm 27. Okay, I'm 27. So yeah, they were right there. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I think that that's why I forget my age. I used to hide it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So one of the things that when we were doing research um, on on the gym, my cousin is a member. He's actually the way that I you fell back into my life is there was a car at the shop that said Orfiji, <laughs> and I was like, that's funny. I went to school with a Mike Orfiji, and my cousin was like, yeah, it's Mike, and I was like, that's Mike. He's like, yeah, it's his dad's car. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, so I did a ton of research into the, into the company and that's where I built this like super massive respect for what you're doing. One of the things that I saw was, and if you don't feel comfortable talking about this, I completely understand, but you guys have a really awesome way of dealing with reviews. So we, we, we've done, I'll preface this a little bit. We, we have, my dad will drive to Philadelphia on Friday night knowing that my sister is giving birth in an hour if a customer asks for a uh, valve stem cap, yeah, yeah. right? Like, that's how he is for a review. And we've had a few bad reviews yeah. as any company. Yeah. And my dad's terrified of it. Something that I really admire about what you do is you don't take shit. I love them. Can you oh, tell me a little bit about that? Do you have any, like, crazy stories? Because I read a few yeah, I'll tell you one. Um, I don't know if this guy wrote a, a review, but I have a crazy story. Yeah, the, uh, before I go into the story, though, the reviews are awesome. Yeah. So we we love those because they just highlight – they give us the opportunity to highlight who we are as people mm-hmm. or as a company when we respond. What it feels like. Yeah, so like we had – we when I first started, we would have like bad reviews like, oh, this place is small, blah, 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 blah. And like we didn't respond to those. Right. The ones that get like a little personal, like we love slapping back on them. So actually I'll tell you a story. So in my other gym, we have like these like eight-foot uh, wall murals there. And um, one of them is me at the range. I'm training and I have a gun on my hip. We had a guy who walked in. He looked at the wall mural. He walks up to it. He looks at it, takes a picture of it, comes back to the front desk. He looks at the guy who's working the desk and he goes, that guy looks like a Nazi. And my my manager's like, well, two things. One, he doesn't look like a Nazi. Two, Nazis don't have beards. (laughs) He's got a huge beard. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're saying. Wow. But uh, we 
Yeah, we the reviews are funny. Uh, the the COVID reviews were funny, and I think that honestly is what stemmed for people to like like us maybe more, because like politically we would like clap back on them being like, "This place killed my grandmother," or "This place Jesus. should kill them." Blah blah. Killed? They, somebody said that. So, well, we had people, yeah, that would like email and call us during COVID, and be like, "You killed my grandmother." Hang up the phone. Like, Are oh, you? All right, thank you. <laughs> so that's that's interesting. I feel like that is a more of a a new school ideology. Something. So we get. Had tons of people calling me gay on the internet. So like, or whatever, like, like we had a, married. We don't know. <laughs> well, we had a guy who every single video we posted in the beginning, and I was remembers this, would say like crazy stuff. Like your hair sucks. Your voice is shitty. That's like, awesome. No, I love that. Dude, we are one of our most popular videos at the time was a clapback video where we, now he doesn't comment at all. Yeah. We were like, you know, I tried to make a video. My brother pushes me out in the video, and he's like, "Get out of here! Your voice sucks." Yeah, yeah. or whatever. We did the same thing. We got we yeah, sex is awesome. Real that like somebody gave us like an essay, like a ten page like PLA format freaking essay about bashing at one of our one of my locations, and we made a full reel about it, and people loved it. Like a thousand likes. People were like, "This is so funny!" Oh my god! I'm like, okay, I don't want these reviews, but I'm all for them. They're hilarious. Yeah. I just think if you take that much time out of your day to leave a business and go write a ten page essay review. You must have liked it. Or we must be that much in your head right. if you have that much. So you flip it into a positive. Exactly, yeah. I have a few rules about whether I've never written a bad – actually, I did write one bad review, and it hit all my boxes. Oh. I'll tell you why. So, oh, my God. Yeah, I, and it was it – was, I think it was justifiable. You tell me. So I'm in, we're in a business where something happens. I fix a car. A lot of people don't understand the automotive industry. If you get hit on your right fender – and your left hood has a chip in it, and I have to blend your hood on the right side. You come back and you see the very left corner of your hood hasn't been fixed. People lose their mind. What they don't understand is the insurance company is not going to pay us to fix that. Yeah, don't but they're like, well, you did it. Why didn't you just do it? It's like, well, because it would have cost me me an extra three grand out of pocket to do yeah. that. Why would I be responsible for that? We touched it up. We sanded it and polished it. We made it look 99% better out of our own pocket. Like, Then they'll go and post a review without coming to us and saying something. So yeah. I need to check a box of saying, if I come to a company and they don't perform satisfactory service, that's fine. I need to be able to talk to somebody and say, can we fix this? I give them multiple opportunities to fix it. And at that point, if they don't, I will yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes sense. I yeah. don't do it. We were in Florida. And my mom had forgotten her medication. And it was one of those medications where if you don't take it for a day or two, you can have seizures, uh, panic attack, like whatever. Yeah. We went to CVS. Her doctor called, filled the prescription in, and she was in the middle of having like a severe panic attack because of it. And I went to the front and I said to the guy, listen, I know you're busy. My mom is in dire need of medication right now. Can you please fill her prescription before things get bad? And he said, no. And I looked at him. I said, you don't understand that you are putting my mom's life in danger right now. I understand this is not your problem. But from human to human standpoint, can you just try to see this from my situation? And he said, no. And they basically, I, I, I got upset. It's my mom, dude. Yeah. Like, I got loud. They it's kicked us out. So I wrote a bad review. Yeah, that, that's just It fine. was a CVS. We went four miles away to a small family-owned pharmacy. They did it immediately, no yeah. questions asked. That's why you shop small. Shop small and yeah, support local businesses. Yeah. So that was my review. I said, I basically just said, don't trust the big brands with a robot on the phone no, to no. help you in times of dire need. Absolutely. If you need help, go to the lo- – and I basically – I, I don't even know if I wrote a bad review. I have to look back, or if I wrote a good review on their page while shitting on CVS, which yeah, is no, probably what I did. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds like it's more you than being a negative person. Yeah. But I think the COVID reviews are kind of funny because a lot of people read those, and at first, people would read them like, oh, I'm not going there. But me, I'm like, for the, the 10 bad reviews we got for being open during that, a hundred people saw that and like, I need to go to the gym. I need the gym. Yeah. The gym is my life. I will sacrifice my, my health. I need to go to the gym. And that really helped us. That, that I think that was like a big moment for us as a business. A lot of people don't like when I talk about that, but I think that really did help us launch into that next level of a business because we were willing to put our, our, my, I was willing to put my life on the line for my business and for the people that were part of my business to be you. able to come. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really America, the, bro. Yeah, really the bad reviews, honestly, I love them. They, yeah. I, I love reading them. I think they legitimize a business too because this is going to sound like such a douchey humble brag, but we for a while we only had five-star reviews and then we had a few bad ones and 
people would come and say, oh, I read your reviews. And if I was still better about a bad review, I'd be like, yeah, did you see the one star? And they'd be like, honestly, that's the reason I came. Because at first I thought these were all fake. Who has 500 five-star reviews? And then they see a few one-star, two-stars, and they're like, okay. So if you're a normal person... You know that things happen. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. And and honestly, if I don't really read reviews before I go to a business, I'm I'm not the person that's on Yelp. I'm like, oh, this this guy said this place sucks. Like, it's 2024. Everybody has different opinions. Something yeah. that might be shit to you might be amazing to somebody Ask else. Receipt, man. And I'm just that. That's the way that I'm always I always am with other small businesses. Like, I will go make my own assumption of a business rather than read a review because there are a lot of bad people in this world that that will rather pull somebody down than help another business out. So, yeah. How um how important still in your life with everything you have going on, married, kids, two stores and a bunch of businesses, how important is car culture still to you? I mean, it's important. I think I mean, we were going to we have a bunch of things we got to get wrapped, so oh, bring it on. We gotta get Make some content, man. Yeah, we got to get a bunch of I got a lot of like random stuff. I got a two Hummer H1s. Uh, the actually the white one's my dad's. It's my dad's, my brother's, and the silver one's mine. I have that black Jeep still. Yeah, uh, we should do cool like a uh, Iron Bolt exchange. Yeah, I, I kind of want to do something. I want to basically get every vehicle we have wrapped for our company, but basically make them where they're kind of like copy and paste different mm-hmm. colorways. Like so cohesive. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that we can use them for marketing and stuff for IVX or Iron Vault. But we started this new series where basically people come up with quirky stuff like that Cayenne. And basically, we started off like, what the hell is this thing? And then the owner will go around describing what it is and why it's important to them. So I'll definitely get you on for that stuff. I would love to. I got to get that thing done up. So when we first met in high school, honestly, probably the first reason that we ever talked was because I found out that you had a a really nice car, an Audi. I'm a huge car guy. been around cars my whole life. And one of the things you told me was your dad was a member at Monticello. Monticello, yeah. And so did you ever get to track there? I never tracked that car. My dad tracked it one time. Tracked that car. He blew all four brakes, brought it home. He was like, all four brakes are gone. I'm like, okay, (laughs) great. It's heavy. It was a heavy car. Yeah. It was a heavy car. It it had the V8. It was, that was the first year. I think Lamborghini built that transmission for Mm. that car. I'm like really not in it anymore. That was like the first, that at the time, RS5 wasn't in America. Yeah. That was the, the first, first gen. And 2013. I, that's why when I saw it, like, you could have had any nice car, and I would have been like, that's yeah. sick. But that yeah. car was sick. I got lucky with that car because my first car was um, – the Hummer was my first car, but, like, my mom, like, refused to let me drive it. So uh, my parents got me, like, an Audi A4, S4. I don't remember what it was. And uh, I let a friend drive it. He crashed it. And that was, like, before Carfax, like, was a big deal. So my dad was like, let's fix it. I'm pretty sure this shop fixed it. Really? I got to look back. I, gotta, I gotta think I got pictures of it. But I'm pretty sure they fixed it. And then uh, you guys fixed it. And then my dad was like, we have to sell it right now. Right now we have to sell it. So my dad and I went to uh, another Audi dealership. We saw this RS5 there. And he was like, okay. Don't tell your mother. <laughs> Sell this now and listen, don't worry about it. We'll get it now. Like every car I've had, my dad's been like the instigator. That's awesome. Like my dad's been like, I hope I could be like this one day. My dad's been like, hey, like, let's get this so like I can drive it. Yeah. Just don't tell your mother. Yeah. It's an Audi. It's got Yeah, it's right? a tick. And I think it's that was what my dad, yeah. It's also got 500 horsepower. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. yeah. I remember I straight piped that car, that RS5. I remember I, uh, that morning, it was ridiculous. I remember the next morning, it was like February, it was cold. And I turn it on, my mom's like, she looks at my dad, she's like, what do you do? <laughs> my dad's like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, no, I just broke in. I had a break-in period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just loud now. Yeah. It's, Only when it's, it's cold. It's okay, though. Yeah, yeah no, I, I must have loved you for that one. <laughs> I actually had to get rid of it because I kept getting pulled over, <sighs> which is so funny now because all my friends are cops and like they still like they'll like laugh like, oh, you were that kid that we followed home. Really? That's yeah. so funny. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really in the car space anymore. Um, maybe one day. But I just should. really think that New York, you can't have anything nice. It's terrible. I think I really don't think you can. It's probably what goes along with your affinity to trucks. Oh, like, just, you're not bending a rim I just, I when just it's a huge floor. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. God. But you do – do you have anything now that you can have fun with, like, a little more yeah, sporty? Yeah, so my dad my dad sold uh, – my dad a 911 Turbo S. He sold it. I sold my car. We bought a GT3 RS in 2016. How do you like it? It's got 1,000 miles on it. Oh, really? 1,000 miles on it in, like, six, seven years. I love it. I love it. I mean, he doesn't drive it. I drive it more than he does. Um, but we love it. And we It's just – it's so hard to drive nice things in New York. That's, That's really my biggest problem. Especially and, low. Yeah, and the problem, honestly, really is it's a 2016, and I think 
if I recall correctly, I think 2016 was the first year you had to have an allocation for the mm-hmm. GT3 RS. So you had to own a 19 Spider to get the allocation to get that car. Mm-hmm. And I think starting 20, I might be completely wrong. I think 2017 is the year you you could order it. 2016 well, started ramping up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I I think I from what I've read online, 2016 is one of the rarest years. So it's like don't sell it yet. But I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not Porsches yeah. always retain their value. Yeah. So it you got good retention value keeping cars. No. Like trucks trucks always the hold. Hummer H1s have been crushing online. Like they'll they'll pivot and like they'll come right back up yeah i really hate selling things so another question a couple few more questions i want to ask you that we ask a, a lot of our guests first would be unlimited budget dream three car garage the rules are first car has to be a daily driver okay. it has to be functional a, a little bit more rational something that you could groceries put the kids in the back the second car is your weekend car something that you could carve the canyons um but you're okay putting some miles on. And then the third car is your grail car. What's a car that you would leave in your garage and maybe not even drive, but just look at okay. every day? So one, this is going to be a really big curveball because I can't find one for more than like a decent price would be a 2024 Toyota Sequoia TRD Pro. Wow. I cannot find one. And I would love that to be my like everyday family truck. Like wow. I cannot find one for under 90. I'd buy it. I think it's a great truck. It would either be that or I'd get the 2024 ZR2 Silverado. Sick. The 2500, not the 1500. That's, that's a big boy. Big boy truck. I'd love that. Um, oh, God. I'm going gonna, gonna to say the the 96 Land Cruiser. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to put that up there because I, I, I need to have one of those. So that would um, be the car that you would take out on the weekends? Go yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Car. That would be like my like weekend getaway, kind of like, hey, let, let's have fun. I don't really care. Um, and then my like one car that I could, if I could have, would be a 19 Spider. Yep. But I would overland it. Wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on. You're gonna overland a 918 yes. Spider? So I remember one day I took, I went to Porsche. Uh, my mom had a Cayenne, or I forgot what I was doing there, and uh, I pull in. A guy follows me in a 19 Spider. It was the thing you do with Porsche. You could pick a color, whatever you uh-huh. want. Yeah. It was. Dead of winter. This dude had a 19 spider and wow. it was curb rashed. It oh, was destroyed. That's sick. What color? With a roof. It was like orangish. Okay. Roof rack. He got out of the car and I was like, that is the most badass thing I've ever seen. This dude is ripping around in an almost $2 million car, car yeah. every day and does not care. Wow. And like that is 100% the way that I want to live where I have something that I actually use and I like beat the piss out of that's sick and that would be my dream car 19 spider over he didn't have oem wheels on i remember so you probably have you seen the new 911 dakar no so it's basically they took everyone's been running with this like safari over yeah I've, I've been seeing a lot of them so now they you can actually buy one it's called a dakar no, it's is from it porsche no yeah, it's way. so sick they're raised up they have off-road tires on them off-road suspension wow. but i'll tell you when we did that video with that guy who had the old air-cooled porsche he takes that car off-road all the time yeah he had a friend who also bought, who has one of those, who also bought the new Porsche Dakar. Okay. He said he took it off road once, everything broke. Really? Yeah, it's definitely, so, it can't be the same. I, I honestly do really think like the guys who like rock around, like the Aventadors, like like that are like done up for overland and off roading. I'm telling you right now, that has to be the ma- most amazing feeling. The guy who has the Cayenne told us that nothing feels better than driving an overland it has Cayenne. To. It, it, yeah, feels like, it, has to. it feels like a stock car on steroids. Actually, Black Rhino, that wheel company, posted mm-hmm. like a a picture a couple months ago of a, a Cayenne that was Overland built, and I was like, I saved it. I was like, I, I would love that. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm big into the Overland. How do you feel about electric cars? I love them. I'm gonna get the Cybertruck when it, when I can get it. My only really issue with the Cybertruck is I feel like it's gonna be too popular because it had what over a million. Is insane pre-orders. Insane. So you have to take into account probably not a million people are actually gonna take it. No. <laughs> so let's say like five hundred thousand, maybe two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand people actually take it. So. I definitely will consider it. When you get it, just know I think they only make it in one color. Yeah, no, we're going to have to wrap it. Yeah, we're going to have to wrap it. We'll make it sick. Yeah. There's a company that could do their T-Sport line or Unplugged Performance. Okay. They oh, really I've seen them before. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Insane. I've access. seen them before, yeah. I am I put my truck, I've had my truck for a year. I already have 20,000 miles on it. Nice. So I got to get something that's like a little more like, hey, I could drive for a couple of miles yeah. and not be afraid. I'm going to burn that out. That makes sense. Gas. Yeah. Since we talked mostly about your business life, a little bit about personal life. You can make it about that or you can make it about cars. It's a recommendation and a pet peeve. So like you can even tell me, oh, I watched this movie recently that was sick. Or you could tell me 
something about cars or you can tell me something about the business, like a pet peeve. So I'll, I'll do one recently that we said on the show. One of my recommendations is I am such an avid person against brake checking. Do not yeah. brake check. It is so yeah, different. I've seen a million <laughs> dash cam footage clips of people getting into horrible accidents. So what I tell people is make sure that your windshield wiper fluid is always full and just lay on, yeah. on that. And you, I, the, my, the best <laughs> satisfying thing is when you start to see their, their wipers yeah, going. Like, you know, that's right. Like the, that's, actually, that's a pretty good one. I think my pet peeve is when you pull up to the gas station and the person, you could tell, instead of pulling all the way up to the front pump, they only stop at the back pump. That's the worst. Yeah, that bothers me. Because the gas station I go to, you can't actually get around in my truck, so I just have to stay there, and then I'm the ass that blocks everything. Yep, I get that. Yeah, that's my one pet peeve. What do you tell, if you had a time machine, what would you tell 16-year-old Mikey? Advice that you give them. I've actually been asked that question a lot. I wouldn't tell myself anything. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't live like that. I don't, I don't, I think everything that I've done leading up to this point has made me who I am right now. So I don't think I would tell myself anything. That's all. Maybe like 16 year old, I'd be going to Loyola. So maybe like put on like an extra few pounds because freshman year, <laughs> I did not touch the field. So maybe that would be what I tell myself. Right? So where can people find you, Mikey? How do you want them to search you? Where your um, I mean, we're, Everything that is about me is pretty much posted at Iron Vault, so you can just follow us on Instagram. At Iron Vault? At Iron.Vault. Okay. We're actually trying to buy Iron Vault. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, we messed up, and we didn't buy it at the beginning, mm-hmm. so now, like, the SEO bots are, like, charging, like, $20,000 for it. They refuse to give it to us. It sucks. Yeah, so uh, Iron.Vault, and then uh, Drink IVX, and then just me at my... When, uh, when is this coming? That will be Spring 24. Spring 24. Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm going to have... I'm keeping one of these. Here, yeah. You can keep them all for it. We don't care. Yeah. yeah awesome. Thank you for joining us. This was awesome. I, I cannot thank you enough. Yeah, no. Um, and yeah, we will uh, catch you guys in the next one.